Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom. This is Melissa Freidenberg in the Gross Point office, and today I am here with Ashley Mont. Ashley is the Chief Innovation Officer and co-founder of Neurotech R3, Inc. Ashley also has her Bachelor of Science from Rutgers University and her Master's from New Jersey Institute of Technology in Biomedical Engineering. And she's a PhD candidate scheduled to graduate in May. So very impressive background. And Ashley, we are so happy to have you here. So welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. We're going to be talking about smart money tips for millennials. And anyone born between 1981 and 1996 is considered a millennial. I personally am a Gen X born in 1979, but I'm kind of like close I have two half-sisters who are both millennials, and my baby sister, Emily, got married at 40 years old. I attended her bachelorette party with all her fun friends, and Ashley was one of them. Um, I have to say, millennials get a really bad rap for being poor financial decision makers. I feel like the media is always portraying you that way, and I was blown away by Ashley's, you know, just some of your financial decisions I was really impressed with. So I really wanted to have you on today. Um, We won't go into too much detail about the bachelorette party. It was fun, though. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me about this company that's so exciting that, you know, this technology. Yeah, so basically, um, the team that I work with at New Jersey Institute of Technology and Rutgers University They developed this system that allows people that have had a stroke to do rehabilitation therapy. So instead of going to a PT office, they can do the system at home. And it's basically some video games that are pretty fun and you control them with your hand and arm. So you still get this idea of rehab, but it's a little bit more fun. So I know like myself, Whenever I had to go to physical therapy and they would assign me to do exercises at home, I would never do them because they were boring. And I think most people don't do them, even though you're supposed to. So this basically encourages people to do their exercises at home. So we primarily work with people that have had a stroke, but we are now working to commercialize the system. And our goal is that it could be used for other disabilities. So maybe children with cerebral palsy or people maybe that have Parkinson's disease or even people that maybe just broke their hand or wrist or something and they need some exercises to do that are fun. So we are working on that now. And I'm proud to say that we're a fully woman-founded and owned business. Founded the company in April of 2020. So kind of right smack in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and we were doing all of our meetings and things over zoom and we spent hours writing grants and we were awarded a small business grant from the national science foundation. So we're super happy to be working with them and grateful that they wanted to fund our project and that they are so supportive of women, because I think a lot of times, especially in the tech field, but I know this happens in all fields. Um, I know a lot of women are very intimidated to kind of make this jump 
um, maybe into starting a business or talking to investors and figuring out how to get funding and things like that. So um, I'm lucky that so far we have had a, a good experience doing that. Love it. I mean, obviously, I love the women founded mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. technology in an industry that is, you know, not common for women. Yeah. Um, and then also the idea of what it is that you're working on. Um, obviously, you're expanding, but. For stroke victims, my best friend's mom just had a stroke and she's living with her now. And I have experienced this through her of how difficult it is to get to physical therapy um, after a stroke. Kind of just getting the stats on it now. But during the pandemic, a lot of people weren't able to go to therapy. The places, you know, were closed down um, and people just weren't able to go to therapy and they weren't able to continue improving. And, and especially with stroke, that's one of the huge things you have to continue your therapy or continue being active where you will lose the gains that you made. So that's why we really wanted to focus on this remote access. And like you said, it's just hard for somebody, even not during COVID to get to a, a rehab center or things like that. It's just hard to get around when you're not feeling well, or if you do have some type of impairment that doesn't allow you to drive. You're breaking the mold of the millennials or the stereotype, I should say, of the millennials with making good financial decisions. What are some of the things that you have learned along the way that are, um, I should say, like good money habits? Like what are some things that you have done that really have gotten you where you are today? So I would say trying really hard to budget is something that I continuously try to work at and really set spending limits on certain things and then try to see at the end of the month like where I spent money like when I was younger like 21 I would spend like all of my money at Wawa because I would never cook and for those of you that don't know what Wawa is it's like the best uh, little convenience store ever and then one day I went and looked at my bank account and I was like oh my god I spent too much money here. Like I should just be making myself egg sandwiches. Um, so I really then tried to budget and make it a point to like, look at my bank statements and see where I'm spending money and try to save in places that I could save. So that's interesting. You learned through maybe bad financial behavior, exactly. how to correct it. Exactly. Budgeting is something that everybody struggles with, myself included. Like I recently did a blog post on budgeting for Christmas and then Mm -hmm. started getting these boxes and I couldn't even remember. And I was like, oh, where's that app that I track everything? So it's do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) But (laughs) what have you found helpful? Do you use an app? Do you just use your bank statements? I just use my bank statements. I think if there are apps to do that, it probably would be helpful. Usually when I try to do my taxes and stuff at the end of the year, I organize everything in an Excel file. I prefer to use Excel because it's just easier for me to add everything up. Um, But a budgeting app would probably be a smart move. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever, if if it's working for you. And in financial planning, I have to say, and I'm not judging people, but I cannot tell you how many people in all generations meet with me and have no idea what's coming in and what's going out every month. Like not just a budget of like, this is how much I can spend on this, but literally they don't know their after-tax take home and their fixed expenses. So for any generation, no matter what year you were born, please just know those numbers. It doesn't have to be like, I can spend X on groceries this month. It has, but you have to know what that extra is. So, right. Um, 
All right. So budgeting would be your number one tip. When you do have to make big purchases, like I remember when I was car shopping, I really wanted a Subaru, but their interest rate was really high. And then I realized at Nissan for that specific month, they were doing a 0% interest rate. And this was like my first big purchase. So then my mom kind of explained to me, well, like if you have to pay interest, the car becomes more expensive. So you could probably get a more expensive car for the same amount that you would be spending with 0% interest. That was something that I was like, oh, wow, that really makes sense because I never really thought about interest before. So if you are kind of shopping around for something big that you have to finance, you really want to look at the interest rates and see if there's an opportunity for a really low interest rate. So understanding interest rates, that's another huge one. That's a huge thing. I think that I think a lot of millennials don't necessarily understand that. Uh, It wasn't something that I knew right away until I kind of sat down and then I could do the math. And then I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's kind of an important thing, you know, but I think a lot of millennials maybe don't realize that or don't think about it. Now, and and one of the biggest traps with with interest rates, too, is, is credit card purchases. I mean, financing a car, most people do that. Financing your monthly expenses is where you run into trouble. So I think just the general understanding of how interest rates work and how you're actually paying more for things is such a huge thing to grasp. Now, you mentioned your mom. Is she someone who's always been a good example for you financially? And Both of my parents, they are very smart financially, my mom especially. Um, So she was very helpful and kind of teaching me what to do and kind of how to do things. Um, And in particular, she has always made very smart real estate moves. So with different things and knows how to read trends and markets and things like that. So she always is kind of on top of things and helpful. Um, So you just got married. I should mention that. So congratulations. Thank you. Super exciting. I mean, I just feel like I don't know. This is the beginning. Of, I've been married 15 years, so it's just like exciting to be newlyweds. I remember those times. And not that they're bad. It's just different. Yeah. <laughs> After 15 years and a couple of kids, it's just different. <laughs> but um, how do you guys work together on the finances? Like you, you own a home together before you're officially married, right? Yes. Um, so we got the house together. So Uh, the way that works for us, and I don't know that this would work for everybody, is that we each kind of have our own bills that we're responsible for. So we do have our joint bank account together, but then like I pay certain bills and Dan pays certain bills. That way we kind of balance them out and pay them equally or, you know, offset a little bit. um, Dan makes a little bit more money than I do. So he does cover more than I do, but we each have our own kind of responsibilities um, and bills to take care of so that it doesn't always fall on one person, because I think that can get overwhelming to just make sure all the bills are paid. Um, That's what works for us, that we just kind of conquer and divide, and then we can make sure everything is paid at the end of the month. Nice. So, and you still have like separate accounts as well that you... Yeah, just for fun stuff. Like when I get my hair done, that's kind of expensive. So I wouldn't expect Dan to pay for that for me, but... You know, yeah. and any of his uh, things that he wants to get. So it works. You know, that works for us. No, I think that's great advice. If you were to like look back at, besides the Wawa bills, where that was sort of a pivotal <laughs> moment where you're like, okay, I need to like get a budget. Yeah. If you were to look back at, is there anything like that inspired you when you were younger that was like, I am going to grow up one day and 
start a company, <laughs> just get after it. Like what, um, I guess it's the classic question of nature versus nurture. Like how to do. So I think like, so neither one of my parents went to college, but for them, it was really important that my sister and I both went to college. So ever since when we were young, they would make it like a very exciting thing. Like, oh, like, look, you'll get, you could go to this school or you could do this. Like my mom would always say like the, your opportunities are endless. Like you can do whatever you want to do in life. So from a very young age, we kind of always had that, I guess, support, maybe like to reinforce. Like a mindset. Yeah. So that was like the mindset. So then, you know, my parents would always say like with a college degree, then you can do anything and you can go even further than we did and things like that. So, and both of my parents were very successful, but they always felt like that was something that they really wanted us to strive for. And that's what they really wanted for us. So then, um, that was kind of like always like the first goal to get into college and then, you know, choose a major that would provide a career. So I think a lot of times a lot of people that I know choose certain types of majors that don't necessarily or don't easily lead to a career path. Love then, this. this is so true. Yeah. And then people that take loans out, then you can't ever repay them if you, you can't, you know, make the money back. So that was kind of something that was also not only like we expect you to go to college, but you know, you kind of have to have a plan. We don't want you to just go major in something that you, you won't be able to work or find a job after. So, but that was always, happy. It wasn't like, oh, you have to go do this. You know, it was always from the time we were little, very encouraging. And that was something that my sister and I were excited about. That's so interesting. I love that because as a parent, sometimes it's hard, you know, I I think I might be more of the threatening type where I'm like, (laughs) if I'm paying for it, I get to decide where you go. (laughs) But um, maybe I'll read. That is is important too. I think you need to have a, there's a balance there. Like everything else. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, and that kind of encouragement of like you, I love that you can be, you know, whatever you want to be and making it an exciting process to think about what it is that you could dream to be and go to school for. And I love the idea of, you know, parents not having that for themselves. So really instilling that in you as like a privilege, if you will, to be able to do yeah. that, but not just a given, you know, because I think- exactly. Some kids just assume, well, I'm going to go to college and my parents are going to pay for it. And so I'm going to major in whatever's the easiest major so that I can like hang out with my friends. A lot of my friends in college did that. Yeah. But then um, I think end up in trouble later because then you don't have a plan. They weren't all like, let's major in biomedical engineering. <laughs> what inspired you to go into that area? Um, one time when I was a sophomore in high school in my sports medicine class, we were watching, we had a substitute teacher that day. So we were watching a video on like careers in science and they did like a little snippet on biomedical engineering. And, um, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But then, um, I didn't know anyone that was a biomedical engineer. And then when I would like Google it back when I was in high school, like there weren't that many schools that offered it as a major. So I was like, is this even a real thing? Um, but I really liked, so in this little snippet, you could see not to do science and technology and you got to help people, but you didn't necessarily have to interact with people all the time. So I think I am a people person, but I knew I didn't want to be a doctor or a nurse, but I wanted to do something in medicine. Um, so that was kind of like checked all of my boxes for what I thought I wanted to do. Okay. Um, And then I just stuck with it. That's awesome. But yeah. So I, one, I'm just like, 
that's interesting that a video inspired you when you were in school and just kind of like, oh, that's cool. It just goes to show how important it is, like teachers and their influence on people and kind of inspiring people to consider other majors. But I love that. I'm going to put that as one of your top tips for millennials of, you know, deciding, well, I guess it might be too late for some millennials, but maybe the next gen, the Gen Z, yeah, um, gen when Z. they're, you know, considering going to school of picking a major, something that's going to produce a career versus just graduating. Exactly. I think that's always the end goal, right? I love that you're, you know, really thinking ahead because not many college students are, I believe, in any generation. Yeah, I agree. So I know you mentioned like with the budgeting, you kind of learned that the hard way, maybe overspending at first, which I think is mm-hmm. very common. That's kind of a rite of passage before you start budgeting. Anything else that you look back on that you feel like maybe was a financial mistake that you made along the way? Yeah. So one thing, and I think this may happen to a lot of people. So I was lucky enough that my parents were able to pay for my undergraduate when we, you know, find everyone applies for financial aid and then you see what happens, but the school would offer, or I guess there were federal loans that would come up on your account and they were small, maybe like 2000 here or there. Um, so you just would accept it because we didn't really know what we were doing. My parents and I, um, and then we realized that we never looked into the interest rates. So they would kind of like present like, oh, well, like you can pay this later. It's a loan. But my parents had the money, but it was like, well, OK, if they're going to give you the loan, like, why not? Why not take it for the little bit of money? And then when I went to graduate, it was like, oh, my God, like these really added up because the interest rates would start right away. So then we ended up owing more money when we could have just paid it off in the beginning and didn't need the loan. So I think for us, my, my parents weren't as tech savvy, I would say. So we never, like when you look at the online, you know, financial aid portal, it was never really clear how to get more information and check what these interest rates and things were. So we ended up having to pay more money at the end. And had we, you know, looked into it a little bit more in the beginning, we wouldn't have had to pay that back. So then when I was doing my master's degree, which I I took loans to pay for, I was like really paying attention and to seeing what these interest rates were so that I could know ahead of time, like, okay, and do the math and figure out what I would end up actually owing. That was one big mistake as an undergrad that we hadn't really realized or looked into that. And I think that's just an overwhelming time for both people, whether it's your student and you're paying for it yourself or parents that are involved too. These portals and, you know, all of that stuff can be very confusing. I know what you're talking about because I did, I had school loans because I needed them. (laughs) My Mm -hmm. parents did not have anything saved up for college. So I did work study and school loans and everything. But a lot of that is almost on the verge of of predatory, you know, where it's like, hey, would you like this money? Like, who's going to say no? And it's in the fine print. This is what you're actually going to pay back. And I don't think they make the fine print too accessible to people. No, that's the problem. A lot of people don't understand interest rates and the idea that you're paying more. So when we met at my sister's bachelorette party, one of the things that really impressed me is that you had an investment property um, that you rented out. How did you come about that? I was in grad school. I don't know. I think I was 26. And um, I realized that the money was just sitting in the bank, not doing anything. So then I, my parents have a house that was in South Carolina. So I was like, well, why don't I just keep an eye? So I, you know, would look on realtor.com 
And I was kind of shopping around. And then I realized that maybe my money would go further if I bought an investment property and then rented it with the goal to at least break even every month. I didn't necessarily need to make money off of it. If I did, that was great. But if I could make money off of it, then it would be paid for. So that was kind of my decision. So I was able to um, find a property that I liked and I fixed up cute. So it was rented all the time. So I did end up making a little bit of money and then my mortgage and things on it were always paid. Um, So it didn't cost me anything. And then I recently sold it now that the market is much higher and I did make quite a bit of money off of it. So I think I had appreciation there. Yep. So I think I only had it for three years, um, kind of skyrocketed. Um, I had planned to hold on to it for longer, but when I saw the offers that were coming in, I decided to sell. So that was kind of how that all happened. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, the combination of that, just smart decisions, budgeting, Mm -hmm. saving, you know, as you mentioned, you had some money saved up in the bank, investing in property, (laughs) and just understanding how interest rates work, both with things like getting a car or credit cards, and then also how that interest works in your favor when it comes to investing or uh, appreciation of assets like that. So I think that is awesome. Um, Now, financially, but I liked how you mentioned some of the things that maybe other friends of yours have done that you've witnessed Mm -hmm. that you feel like maybe um, weren't the best financial decisions? I think not, not having a plan, but I think that goes with budgeting and things. Like I know a lot of friends, they can't afford to buy houses and do things now. Um, So I think kind of get tied into these larger bills and then it's harder to move forward if your goal is to buy a house and you can't do something like that or you know, I have some friends that were waiting to get engaged for a very long time because they they couldn't afford to buy an engagement ring or something. So I think it's hard if those are if those are your goals and you're kind of held back by either student loans or things like that. Um, that's kind of tricky. So I think it's important to try and have a plan um, to pay down debt, if or you're... at least or at least goals, and then how make a plan on how to get there. Like I know, like. For me, a couple of times, my credit card bill did get high. So then I really sat down and uh, I love home goods too. So then I was like, I got to cut out my home goods and TJ Maxx shopping, you know, for a couple of months. And then what I would spend there, those are extra payments to my credit card company. I mean, I'm very type A, so I try to plan everything. But I think, um, yeah, that's kind of it. I think you kind of have to have a plan. I like that. And that boots it up real well, because as you know, being a financial planner, the whole idea here is to give little bite-sized actionable tips for people and then really stressing the the idea of having a plan. Even, you know, budgeting gets a bad rap, but it's not all about budgeting. It's about figuring out what what you want in life and how to get there. And that's that's the fun part. The budgeting is eh, like, even I don't like but to be able to, it is paying yourself for the future. So yeah, exactly. And thinking, and even just, I think thinking about like, I know people always say like your five-year plan and people like joke about that, but just like think like, okay, well now I'm 29. So what do I want to do by the time I'm 34? And then like, even just make a list of things. And then I think, um, like for me, I I always do write things down and then go back and think like, okay, well, am I on track to get there? And I think that is helpful. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you okay. don't have to write it down, but at least have a, take a couple minutes and think about it and then realize like, okay, well, this is how I can get there. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, I love that. And I always say, you know, what do you want to be, have, and do in five, mm-hmm. 10, and 20 years? And that, that's the fun part of my that job. It's not being like, how much did you spend on groceries this month? Like, it, it's all about that extra after your bills are paid, paying yourself now if you want to treat yourself to a trip to home goods, right? Mm-hmm. But making sure that you're equally paying your future self. Right. One of the biggest things I think differentiates you with some other um, people in your age range is just that mindset, that planning, that that type A, as you said, but the organization mm-hmm. and thinking of the future, the millennials generally get a bad rap and that there are a lot like you in your generation that mm-hmm. are really being responsible and thinking of the future. So I really appreciate you sharing your tips with us and um, I am going to link some information on Ashley in the show notes. So if you want to find out more about her or her company, yeah. her out on LinkedIn. And um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This was great. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.